Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning into the IME Podcast. My name is Dominic Kilworth, athlete, personal trainer, business owner, and personal development enthusiast. I'm joined alongside with Jackson Tippett, who is also a personal trainer, influencer, and fitness model. Together, we are your host of this podcast, where with each episode, we'll bring you an inspiring message or person to help you live your best life. Thank you for spending some time with us today. Now, let's get into it. What's up, guys? Um, we are back with another episode on the IME podcast, and um, we're doing a live one today. So uh, we got Toddy here, Toddy Jarrett. Um, honestly, just met the guy, but you know, heard a lot through Trav and other people. Um, loved your content, and um, man, you've got some killer stories and a lot of information to share, which I'm really excited about. This is going to go for a bit longer, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so we're just going to rip right in. Todd, do you just want to tell the audience just a little bit about your background? where you started and what you're currently doing and um, what your passion and what you want to pursue in life is. Yeah, 100%. First and foremost, thank you for having me, brother. It's an honour. And uh, the same thing, only heard good things from Trav and excited to be here. So um, my background started, I was like a a country kid brought up in outback New South Wales and uh, was labelled as like gifted as a child. So like I got skipped ahead in in primary school, like skipped up a year and, and got the the compressed version of it was I got bullied to the point where at age 10 I was like suicidal Um, I didn't know how to take my life but that's the level that I was speaking to my parents about and and there was a lot that came from that a lot of trauma and what it actually did was you know from our darkness can come our light and what that actually created for me was like my ego created a protection mechanism and that was if you're going to get bullied and picked on to the point where you don't want to be alive anymore and you, you do whatever you can to skip school and avoid classes and everything, then I'm going to be as different as I can be. So basically, if they're going to pick on me for being different, I'm going to put it back at them. I'm going to be like, bring it on. Like, I'm going to be as different as I can. And to begin with, it was like different was a protection mechanism so that if they were going to bully me, I was like, I've already brought this on myself. This is my challenge, kind of like facing my fear head on. And then as I got to around like 14, um, I started to, that's when I started going into like the mindset you know, looking into successful business people and successful athletes. And that's when I realized they're the 1% of the 1%. Yeah. And they have the majority of the success in the world. Why? And that's when I realized because they're different. So my ego story kind of went from different is protection to different is success. So my whole story and all of my subconscious conditioning that really started from like 10, that my gestalt event, which is, you know, the, the first event in a series of things that kind of created that big shift was, yeah, being different. So I never wanted to fit in. I was always doing my own thing. I was a high achiever at a young age. So I started like sports commentary when I was 13. I was ducks of both my schools and at university. And um, then when I first started out at uni, that's when I started like while I was doing my degree in sports science, I started training athletes. Yep. Um, and uh, started sports journalism as well. Um, and then team management. So I was managing like a national motocross team for Kawasaki. Oh, wow. And um, yeah, I was, I was really young, but that's like, that was my ego story was like, yeah, I'm young and I'm the achiever. And I drew yeah. a lot from that. And that was like my pride. And I also drew a lot of pride from, you know, not resting, not seeing friends, not seeing my family, just being like hustle, grind, go, yeah. you know, that mentality. And, and 
Um, I ended up hospitalised in the start of 2016 for the first time for a few weeks. Um, and at the time, they just said, like, I had this acute bout of colitis. We didn't know what that was at the time. And basically, they put me on some heavy medication for three months, cleared me up, and then I went back to how I was before. And um, then the continuation of that was like, I've always been a plan A guy. I don't really go down the plan B path. I'm like, this is what I'm doing and I'm going after it. So while I was at uni, I interned at some sports science facilities down in, in Melbourne. Um, and one of the, like our head mentor, Christian Woodford, um, back in the day, Woody said, if you want to be the best strength and conditioning coach, performance coach in the country, you need to go to America and you need to get into the university, the college system over there. And for me, I was like, I want it because of my background in education and, and, you know, valuing education, but also the performance. I knew that the number one college for that in the world was Stanford. So I wanted to go to Stanford. And so I was supposed to do my master's degree in exercise physiology. And I was like, that was a plan B. Plan A was get to Stanford. So that's what actually got me up to the sunny coast. I came and interned with a coach up here um, to get a letter of recommendation and ended up, they saw what I was doing with training athletes and my capacities and abilities. And they're like, look, like you don't have a master's or a PhD yet, but we want you to teach at the university because you are embodying this. Like you are doing this already. Yeah. So I started teaching at the uni and teaching PT courses and training athletes and consulting around the country. And then I got to head to the US um, and work coach at Stanford University in their NFL oh, so program. Did go over. Yeah. How yeah. long ago was this? Uh, 2018. Yeah. And then, what, you've just recently come back? No, no, no. I was over there at the start of 2018. So I was at Stanford for a few weeks, guest yep. coaching there in their, their program and then their Olympic sport program, and then got to head over to, so that's in um, Palo Alto, like Silicon Valley, yep. and then went to New York and, and Boston, uh, where I was working at, like, Eric Cressy's. He's, like, the... I don't um, know him. I actually yeah, follow him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know Small who... World, yeah. yeah, like, Eric's understanding of, of the... the th- you know, the rib cage and the shoulder is second to none. So I got to go to his facility and and really question those guys and pick their brains on that. And then went to Mike Boyle, who's like the unilateral king of the world. So he's like an OG. Um, So he's... What about like Brad Schoenfield and all them? Or not really? uh, Yeah, I've known of them, but didn't didn't go and work with them directly. So So. what made you come back? Um, At that point, for me, it was like I wanted to go over to the US, get all the information I could and bring it back to Australia which yep. is what my intention was. So I was in Boston for a bit and then went back down to San Diego and did some stuff with like the number one speed and power coach in, in America. So he does a lot with like the Olympic facility for the sprinters and um, for the NFL players, you know, that in their sport, it's all about power. So learned a lot with him. That was Les Spellman and then did a bunch with the Agoscu method, method guys and um, came back to Australia. And what really shifted for me was, you know, we had arguably in, in my background sport motocross, which is where I was focusing with my athletes was like physiologically with the the testing and the metrics and all the data we were gathering, we had the best, the fittest, strongest, most mobile athletes in the sport, but we weren't winning. And that's when I started to go, because I'd already had a passion around mindset. You know, that's the, the achiever journey. I was like, I'm the hard worker. I'm the this, the that and the other. And I, I kept, sitting with like why aren't these fucking guys winning like we are dominating because we cross-tested with other athletes that i wasn't working with to you know to to find their data and work out where we're at and i'm like we are dominating them but we're not winning races we're not making you know we're not the ones winning championships and that's when i started to realize that there were subconscious defaults um underneath that were like kind of like 
It's the I'm a third place guy or I'm a fifth place guy. And when your identity and your subconscious is at that level, although you consciously want to win, we know that with the, the subconscious being 40 million times more powerful in processing capacity, you're not going to win if you consciously want it, but your subconscious says you can't. So, so explain uh, us through how you yeah. tapped into obviously your team with the, the Kawasaki um, to overcome that. Like how did you overcome that? So, the subconscious. Oh, man. Is there like strategic ways you did it or is it just more, I don't know, talking, like talk us through it. Yeah, so with the, with the subconscious, like this was, at this point in time, I'd started um, teaching, upskilling allied health pros as well. So PT, strength coaches, physiotherapists, osteos and things like that from what I'd learned because yeah. there there's so much I'd learned and the priority was the physical, teaching allied health pros because my theory was, I can train 10 athletes or I can educate and teach 10 coaches and they train 10 yeah. athletes and then we impact more, like that ripple effect principle. And, and so what we started diving into more was, yeah, the subconscious and understanding what, for me, the same thing, like going back in the timeline of where it first started for them, that these beliefs at this point were working at the level of beliefs. Where did this belief stem from? Okay, how long has that been in play for? And then what is the process to basically change that which is you know using leverage and so with the athletes what we would do is is pull back to find out you know what we call like a gestalt event which is the first like triggering event for the nervous system where there's like a shift in direction and then typically what happens is it's like confirmation bias after it basically which just means something happens a big thing happens and then we're looking for that kind of thing happening again it's like um you know, when you've been picked on before or, you know, you've been at the bus stop and you've been beaten up, then next time you're at the bus stop, you're a bit edgy because your body's in that protection mode. We start looking for those things. And, for example, when athletes for a long enough period of time have been a second-place guy or a fifth-place guy, the subconscious says that's what they are. So it's about going back to what we do is first, like, objectify it or make it, like, neutral. So, okay, when did that first happen? Okay, I was seven years old. Righto. Does that... Just because that happened when you were seven, does that mean that it needs to continue to happen now when you're 22? Yeah. Well, no, but it is. And then it, so there's a, obviously there's a, the subconscious coaching process, which is kind of like an art in itself. Um, at that point in time, I was a performance coach, physical coach, but I was assisting in the mindset because that's what I was realizing was the key. And, um, and then my health was actually getting worse at this point. Um, and so that's when I stopped teaching at uni, stopped training the athletes, and I was only consulting with a couple around the country and just focused on out, like upskilling the allied health pros. And then towards the end of 2019, I was you know, emergency hospitalized again a couple of times, and, and then that's when I had the first, you know, first near-death experience. And that's when I realized the big shift in my life happened where when the doctors came in and the surgeons came in and said I had 24 to 48 hours to live, like wow. my mum was on speakerphone. She was distraught. Like she's got a lot of trauma from that period of time now. And, and that's when I realized like I was 23 at the time. And, you know, on the outside, people would look at me and go, wow, you've achieved this. You've done this. You're impacting these people. You know, you've, you've done all these things. Like, you know, externally, it'd be that society's view of success for a, for a young guy but I nearly fucking killed myself doing yeah. it. And that's when I was like, what was the point of any of this? Because when, when they said I had 24 to 48 hours to live and you have that like, it's put in front of you, I, I was there and it forced me to go, what, 
what matters to me right yeah. now. And I was like, fuck, my family. And I was a mess because my family were in Victoria and we didn't know if they could get up in time. And and my mum ended up flying up that night. Um, my, my dad and one of my sisters flew up the next day. And I'm, I now know like you know um the the book victor frankel like man's search for meaning yeah. is um if your why is strong enough you can overcome any how and in that time my elder sister was supposed to fly up and see me as well in case i didn't make it through but she couldn't because her little boy jack had an ear infection so he couldn't fly yeah. and and looking back now that's what enabled me to get through to you know mentally in that way like i'm going to survive because, because I was like, can't see, I yeah. need to see her to say goodbye. Yeah. And so they put me on crazy, crazy medications and, and things of that nature. Um, chemo, leukemia level meds. Like I'd go into hospital and I'd have like a cytotoxic radiation sign on me because I couldn't go near particular crazy. things. And I, yeah, it was, it was rough. And then eventually they, I'd been on those for like six months and I still wasn't 100%. And it turns out I was a non-responder, which meant the medicine medication was never going to be able to you know save me in, yeah. in that time and the challenge with that was they told me the only thing that couldn't save you and enable you to get through is medication if you stop this medication you're going to lose your colon or potentially you'll get sepsis and that's how you will will die and uh once they told me that the medication could no longer you know save me i was like i'm, I'm chained to a ship and it's sinking i can't get off and yeah. that's when i had to like it was the scariest decision I've ever made, but I stopped all of the medication. I went full cold turkey, haven't touched it ever again since, and I'm here today against all of their, yeah. what they've said, their words, their odds. Like, they'll call, like they call me and, and were, like, yelling at me over the phone, like, what are you doing? Like, you're missing your appointments. If this happens, your body's going to do these things. And So you just trusted your intuition and just went with it? Yeah, I, I had this feeling, and that's the only thing that got me through to make that decision. I was like... I had a feeling that I've gone from being this, you know, research in the science to being the physiology lecturer in the science at uni to, to always needing to see the evidence and everything to this other part where I was like, I had this inner knowing, this, like this feeling that if you're supposed to be on this earth with the purpose that you feel like you have, you will survive this. Yeah. You've got, and I just had that and I had to trust that. And the first two weeks were dark times. Every single night I was writing a, I let her home to my family. Like, I love you so much and this is what I love about you. Please don't ever let this go. Like, if I don't make it through, this part of you is what I love most and the world needs that part of you. And yeah. so there was like a lot of, you know, I was contemplating dying every night for, for a couple of weeks and, and it ended up being a really rough journey for actually like six to eight months. I was bedridden in the care of my parents down in Victoria. Um, but there was a, a lot of, process to go through with clearing stuck energy from my body and a lot of emotional trauma and suppressed emotions and things like that and uh, through that journey was when I realized like for me I'd always been the science guy and what happened when I had the near-death experience was you can only call it spiritual I was you know things happened I experienced things I saw things that I was like science can't show this science can't prove this but it has happened and I know there is something greater than this physical body and that's when my, I guess my perspective really started to shift because by that point, after the first, when the doctors told me the first time around about the, the near-death challenges, I'd started going to like the 10-day silent meditation retreats and I'd started doing a lot of inward work. I'd, I'd quit all work and I hadn't 
hadn't really worked for that, you know, six to eight months in between. I just went deep on myself. Yeah. And that's when the internal journey for mindfulness really started and breath work, meditation, understanding the way foods break down in our body and, and how they actually affect our intestines and our kidneys and our liver and all of that for optimizing health. That That's what has enabled me to be where I am today. I haven't touched medication since, despite what they'd said. And... You know, I'm the, the healthiest I've been in like five years. I love that. So was it that, that literally that initial stage where that 24, you had that 24 to 48 hour period where they said, you know, you, you could die. Was that the game? Was that the change for you? Like, is yeah. that where your life just switched around? Literally yeah. that 48 hours? Yeah. Literally yeah. in that 48 hours, I contact, I reached out on a social media and just said, does anyone know about these meditation retreats? Because that, that was when I was like, I need to go and sit and be with whatever is going on. It's in, This is so much mental. Um, so do you yeah. reckon if they didn't tell you uh, you've got 48... Say they didn't tell you you've got 48 hours to live. Say they said, you know, you're, like, you're in trouble, but, you know, this could be a six-month span. Do you reckon you would have changed? Like, That's a good question. Yeah, like I just, I feel like it's, because the reason I ask this is I've been in a similar state, not the same, obviously, illness, yeah. but I actually went through anorexia wow. where it was like, it was pretty on, pretty much on near death, man. Yeah. Um, and this was all due to taking steroids and wanting the best body image where I become obsessed to the point where I actually wouldn't eat because I'd put on an ounce of fat and I would just feel like a slob. Yeah. But really, I was so so lean it was not even funny yeah so it became an obsession where i just slowly i don't even know how it happened but i was so strict on my food that i was slowly just starting to um drop out every food group to the point where it was like it was literally like egg whites and lettuce and if it wasn't that it was like i'm not eating it wow and then it even got to the point where it's like I just i can't i just can't eat this like i can't have this and then it got to the point where it was like okay, I'll try fasting now and I, I wouldn't even eat. And then it just got to the point where the kilos and the kilos were dropping off where I lost 40 kilos in a month Holy and I was hospitalized. And yeah. then it's not until I, very similar story, man. I, it was like a 48 hour kind of, I wouldn't say 48 hours, about a three day period where they're like, if you literally don't get this amount of food back in you and this fat and all of this, you're done. Like yeah, your body's got, it's got nothing to hold on to. Yeah. And mum and dad were standing there and they were literally just bawling their eyes out and they're just like, eat this food like just yeah. fucking eat it like yeah. oh you're done yeah and i was like i can't eat this like i was trying to tell Trav, I was like i just can't eat this like this big piece of steak and all of this fat and all of this yeah. cream and that because that's what we, they wanted me on yeah. everything to get the heart back kind of yeah and i was like this is everything against the grain of what i'm doing yeah oh, i can't do it but then it was just like this trickling moment where i was like mum and dad were in front of me and i was like fuck like if i don't do this like i'm done like what, yeah. what does all this mean like what does it mean if i got abs this doesn't yeah. mean shit to me yeah and i changed right then and there so what i'm trying to say is if 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 you didn't have that breaking period of 48 hours where they said todd you got about a six month span um what do you reckon you would have done i reckon i would have gone back to my old ways yeah it's crazy 100 yeah, percent the same dude <laughs> yeah because it's like you you get pushed so much for so long, but it takes, it's, it's literally like someone needs to punch you in the face for you to kind of stop. And that's yeah. what it was. It was that moment of, if I don't change, I'm fucked. Yeah. That's where I'm at. So 100%, I get that. I hear that. Hey. So once all of this change, you haven't been hospitalized again? No. I, yeah. I haven't been, haven't needed to go back or anything. I 
op- I voluntarily went back for a check earlier this year to get a, a colonoscopy yep. just to make sure there wasn't bowel cancer because I was severe stage three for like a year and a half, two years, which most people are hospitalized at that within three days. And I was living wow. like that. I was just past, just straight up shitting blood plastering the bowl every day for like two years constant pain and agony but like my way of dealing with it was like go run like go for a run now like if that's what you're gonna face like because you know the mentality like Goggins and Jocko Willink style of like push harder you know when the going gets tough the tough get going that was the mindset and that's that's where I realized a part of my mission in life now is for people to see that mindset is epic but if your mindset is based on something from lack or from a place of pain or from a place of like ego then it's always going to create more pain because you're trying to do something to fill the void of the pain, but it's still under there. And that's when I realized mindfulness and the self-awareness is what is the actual shift. The example is like, imagine you've got two people laying face down on the ground and they've got a race to get to the top of the building in front of them to get the flag, like capture the flag or whatever. And there's two ladders and, you know, you and I are side by side and I get up straight away and I run straight up the ladder. I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm smoking jacks because you're beside me on this other building. And I'm like, yeah, I'm smoking him. I'm like, you know, 50 steps above and I get to the top. I'm like, oh, fuck, there's no flag. And then I realize that I didn't take the moment to actually work out which building has the flag, uh, which building yeah. has the end result that we're desiring. So my whole life was like, go, 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 achieve, achieve, achieve. But it wasn't what I was what we truly seek and that's where most people are still living it's like they're based in basing it on this external achievement to create a feeling within but that's where i was like i'm going to reverse this i'm going to create the feeling within so that anything that happens external is just a bonus so i don't need to look a certain way or have a certain amount of money or have a particular relationship if i'm feeling this in here full and complete in myself and I create that every single day. The things that I was searching, you know, I wanted, let's say, for example, it's the, the car to feel worthy. What happens if, okay, if I can create self-worth without the car? Mm. Or what happens if I can feel like I love myself without needing to look a particular way? Because we're doing everything, achieving the external for the feeling or the safety or the stability it gives us internally. And when we can realize that and reverse engineer the process, we can feel that every single day without the external. All the externals are a bonus, and that's fulfillment. So do you feel like um, you, you mentioned like it was a bunch of diet stuff and breath work and mindset and all of this since you've like had that horrific accident. Mm. Was that more of it, or was it more that you backed off and you're not as stressed with what you're doing now, which fixed it? It's, it's like all of... It's all of those things. Uh, the like, a, so like the breath work, the adjustment in diet, the sleep, the listening to the body. All of those things. Can create. we touch base on what? Okay, I'm going to start. There's yeah. a lot of topics. Can we touch yeah. base first on what you implemented with breath work and yeah. how that affected you? Oof. Yeah. So I'd been doing breath work sporadically for like three to five years before, like just doing Wim Hof here and there and doing some, you know, box breathing and pranayama and and all of that. But when what actually really dipped me in was my first call with uh, the guy that saved my life, Mitch Vickridge. Um, he's actually bodybuilding background. He was like a... Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I literally know him. Yeah. This is such a small world. Yeah. So... <laughs> like... Because he suffered something too, didn't yeah, he? You yeah. see, he was the same thing. He lost his large intestine. Wow. Yeah. I followed that journey. I was going to reach out to him <laughs> and get him all... Wow, this is yeah. really weird. He's yeah. he's incredible. Like yeah. he's the ultimate embodiment of of that masculine and feminine and the understanding of you so know. He saved your life. Yeah, dude. 
And Crazy. he's he's a f- how much can I swear on here? Fucking swear. Yeah, but he's a fucking <laughs> wizard. I'll, I'll literally send him yeah. this one to listen to because Crazy. when I went to him, like my background in the science, I'd been at the you know the level of of the working at the gut to fix the gut, and the first call with him, he was like, you know, you need to not look, you need to look beyond the gut. Because you know, yeah. there's no there's no real professionals in the world that are doing that. But I know that this is the way to heal it. And I just said, dude, I have full trust and faith in you from the things that you've told me. You know, being able to explain because he's very knowledgeable with the science as well. And I needed that because I was a science background guy at the time. That he took me through on our first call, took me through a breathe. Now, contextually, I my dad, I hadn't been able to leave my bread my bed for four weeks. Like I I would be, was able to hobble from my bed to the ensuite I had just plaster the thing in blood and be in like crippling pain because like my bones were sticking out and everything because I'd lost so much I was like 42 kilos um uh 52 kilos lightest I'd been since like year four in primary school yeah and um I hadn't been able to like stand up or walk around like I could only have like all I could consume at the time was like a juices um and he took me through a breathe and it shifted my state so much. I got up out of my bed, walked out of my room, walked into the kitchen. My housemate and my dad were there. And I literally... What was, was their reaction? They were like, what What are you doing? And then I was like, watch this. I literally started jumping up and down on the spot. And I was like, I'm fucking here. Rob. And they were like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, calm down. Get back in your bed. And that's when was I knew. Was this after one breath? After breath? One, one breathe. And all I did was like 25 minutes of a, of a, and it was a gentle breathe because I was so fragile. Mitch didn't want to push me too deep. And it was a 20 minute breathe, maybe 25 minutes. Just a holotropic style breathe. So conscious, connected, oral breathing. And that was enough like for me to shift some energy in my body for me to be able to do something I hadn't done in, in like three to four weeks. And that's when I was like, there's something to this. So I started practicing deep breaths three times a week, anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour. And what the breath work does is, as an example, so imagine we have like a, we could call it a traumatic experience in our past, any negative experience. You've been in a fight, you've been in a car crash, you've had a breakup that's you know emotional, whatever it is. Basically, from that, we have like an imprint. So we have um, the like memory visually. So, you know, when you think back to, to like a negative experience, you can kind of see it in your mind. So there's the visual memory, but then there's also the emotion that comes with it. There's that like it might be a feeling of, let's say you've been in a car crash. You can remember the vision of it, but then there's also the feeling of fear of like, oh. Yeah. And so they get tied together like a little figure eight and they get put and imagine like in a little engagement ring box, they get popped in there. And then when, when you have that experience and don't allow the energy out, because we, you know, we suppress it or we try to move on or whatever it is, that gets stored in our nervous system. And this, this energy, these, you know, these little ring boxes are within all of our nervous system. Our conscious mind, the ego, that, that analytical part is what keeps it all down because that, f- that memory and that emotion is what we'd consider like negative, so painful. And our ego wants to protect us from pain. So it's like, yeah, don't ever bring that up. Keep that down. And that's why we don't talk about a lot of things because our mind is running the show. And so... When that's stuck and, and down and in there and this low frequency, it actually, you know, what it does is when we, if we got deeper into it, it's for another day, another potty. But that low frequency energy is what's actually the basis of disease because our, our cells run on energetic frequencies. And um, this, what the breath work does is enables the, the blood flow to the front of the brain and that top part of the brain, like the ego, to decrease. So that part of the brain slows down and goes quiet. And so the subconscious 
the innate healing capacity of the body, the autonomic nervous system, can do its thing because the role of the nervous system is to regulate the body and keep it healthy, which is why we have the things we do when we get sick, like mucus and that. That's actually our body clearing stuff out. And what the breath work does is enables that top part of the mind that keeps all the ring boxes, all of those negative stuck energies down, goes, okay, you're quiet, you're off to the side now. We're going to do what we want to do to heal this body. And literally that stuck energy comes up, whether it's been through expression of emotion, expression of sound. For me, it was a lot of movement like because I had a lot of suppressed anger. And that, that's you know a very low frequency. So I'd express a lot of anger in my first few breathes, clearing that. And literally, like, it was like my body was on like a... It was like a highway, like a freeway of healing. It was incredible. Like after every session, I'd feel completely different. And I now attribute like... Breathwork was one of the main contributors to my life being saved. And so Mitch started me on that journey. Then I started going deeper into, okay, what else can I learn? Who else can I go to? And and then I started to understand and, and I did facilitation courses. And that's a part of my journey now as I'm a you know breathwork facilitator. Um, Do you believe everyone should be doing this? 100%. Every single person? Absolutely. Because breath, when, when we actually get down to the core of our physical body's function breath is the main regulating mechanism between stress and safety or between the anabolism and catabolism, whatever it is. And um, in that way, when we can tap into that, so let's say we can use breath work for rest and recovery. We can use it for getting ourselves into that sympathetic state. We need to get up and fire up. We can do breath for that. We can do breath for literally the the style of breath work when you go into deeper holotropic style breeze. It's like hallucinating hallucinogenic drugs it's like um you have out-of-body experiences you have past life experiences you can have massive like uh memories coming through seeing things and, and visualizations and all of these because what happens is those parts of the brain get lit up and um, the, the guy that actually created uh holotropic breath work was um dr stan groff and he'd been a researcher in he's a psychiatrist and a, and a um a doctor in that space and he'd been one of the leading researchers to understand what um, drugs could be used to overcome schizophrenia. And when they stopped those drugs being um, expressed, used by the public, he needed to, he was like, well, we're getting such incredible results. How do we help the community? So he reverse engineered the process. How can we get the same result in the brain, but using the body? And so that's when they discovered the breathwork process. What's the minimum time you can do breathwork? Depends on the style. So yeah. I could literally, we could sit here for 10 seconds right now and I go five seconds in, five seconds out. That's a heart math coherence breath, which brings the brain and the heart into alignment. So you're actually present and you're in flow. So we do five in, five out, five times, done. You can breathe, do holotropic breath work three hours straight, which is like shamanic breath work. And that's when people have... So you could get an effect off breath work if you wanted to do it for five minutes. Yep. Depending on yeah what what you want from it, absolutely. Like as an example, so DMT is uh, um, the molecule that's released when we die. Five um, meo DMT is like what um, people know more regularly of, and and that's very rare for that molecule to be released. There's a, you can use a breath breath practice, seven breaths, and knowing how to squeeze the cerebrospinal fluid up through your spine to to the top of your head, you can activate the release of DMT, and you can what we would call leave the physical body and go into like your spirit. It's the same as basically your body dying. 
you but you don't, you don't die. So like that's a practice that I use regularly and that's seven breaths and knowing how to squeeze the energy through because there's a, you know, the science behind it is the way it activates particular parts of the brain and you will literally like your body is just there kind of and you're not in your body. You literally, you can see videos and this has happened with me many times is I'll do the breathe, I'll squeeze, my body will go limp and, and sort of collapse down and I won't be there. There's no physical expression of me actually being conscious to it like i'm gone like i'm you know as an do does everyone get an effect off every single session or is it not like that so you, you might do a few where you're just completely normal yeah. or is it like if for example if we did breath work after this would i get some type of reaction every single time depends on uh what energy is within your body yeah number one and then also how much you surrender because again it's a because this is guided by the subconscious the if if your conscious wants to stay in control and your ego is like thinking while you're trying to breathe, it's kind of like it's keeping the lock on. But that's why in the beginning we need to give the permission that the, the conscious mind's going to, you know, I'm going to allow myself to really surrender because we've seen people that are breathing like a warrior, like full active breaths as hard as they can and they don't get a response. Yeah. And someone can be breathing like a fairy and they're dropping in and having crazy, you know, in- incredible experiences because it's the surrender. It's, it's literally like how much they can allow themselves, like whatever's going to arise, I am sweet with it. If I'm going to, you know, go to another place, sweet. If I'm going to let out tears, sweet. If I feel like I need to let out sounds, all good but it's the level to which you can surrender is the level to which you'll drop into so yeah 100 oh, wow. percent. and and as i said like for me i i realized that i had a lot of shame guilt and anger stuck in me from when i was 11 years old from a, a situation with my mum, and i never allowed that up because of you know wanting to make mum proud and that was you know a lot of my driver and then as i was going through the breath work to begin with in the first three to four months i was letting out so much anger like deep crazy amounts because that's what was in within me but i'd like it's it's incredible because they've found that there's research shown that within one two hour deep breathe you can get more psychological release emotional release and improvement than if you were to see a psychiatrist once a week for two years for an hour crazy so the 104 effects. hours of of psychiatry work compared to two hours of breath work you can have more release in that way so um, why, why are not enough people doing this they don't know about it or yeah that's one part and then also pharmaceutical industry it's like if we've got something that can heal depression anxiety those kinds of things by just breathing which is free mm. they're not going to promote it which is, yeah. you know, the reality of what we face. And you know lots about this side of things. It's like it's what's going to make the brands and the companies money. So, but in saying that, like, it is becoming more known because of, as an example, like Wim, Wim Hof. Yeah. He's, he's kind of like, you can speak to one in five people and they've heard of him. And typically people will start with doing a Wim Hof session. Like, oh, that was cool. I got some tingling and vibration. And like, well, what's next? There's that natural yeah. progression. So I'm really grateful that Wim has created such a personal brand in the world because people are starting with that. Then they're like, oh, what's next? And what's next? So it's like next? a drug. It's literally, yeah, You're it's addicted. a gateway. Yeah. Yes. Crazy. Yeah. I've got to do it now. Dude, 100%. <laughs> um, yeah, that's one, like obviously one big implement that has changed your life. Yeah. Um, and I definitely want to try it. What do you feel was maybe the other's, other biggest factor? Do you think it was diet or was it more relaxing and taking away stress because i'm the same with stress man like i am just i don't know like i'm i feel like we're very similar even though we're not we are yeah um i'm 
I just do everything, man. And I feel like if I'm not doing everything, or I was the same as you, I was like, I look up to these people, like you know, David uh, Goggins and Gary Vee and all these guys. That's yeah. like, if you're not grinding twenty four seven, what the fuck are you doing? If yeah. you're not working on a Saturday night, you're definitely not going to make it. Yeah, and I was <laughs> starting to do that. I was like, I wouldn't do anything, but like. It's not as if I was doing like strenuous work, yeah. but it was strenuous on my body and yeah. taxing on my system. Yeah. And I would never, ever, ever stop looking at my phone. And mm. it's, it's not a good habit, man. Yeah. Do you feel like stopping all of that and backing off was, you know, it made you the person you are now where you're not suffering all this stuff? Or do you feel it was more maybe diet and gut related? Definitely the slowing down stepping back so and how re- did you do that though because yeah. i <laughs> there's a lot of people out here that are similar to you yeah. that oh, yeah. they just want to grind 24 yeah. 7 how can you go tell them if you back off and you do half the amount of work a week what they're initially going to say is i'm going to make half the money or i'm going to go back i'm going to have double the workload to do next week mm-hmm. which is exactly my mindset yeah how do you tell them back off but you're actually going to move two steps forward yeah it's it's the difference between force and flow. So uh, when you can, and this is as an example, the difference between mindfulness and mindset. You know, you can yeah. be the far, it's the most people that are working that, you know, on those hours, working that hard, they're like the example before, they're climbing the ladder fastest, but are they actually doing it most efficiently? Because there's a difference between working hard and working smart yeah. or being efficient, you know, in, in that way. And so the, the answer I would say to that is that when you actually take that little bit of time to step back, you realize where your compass is internally because of a lot of the time, the action we're taking, the things we're doing are based upon what our head's doing and what our head's telling us to do from the conditioning. But that's why so many of us burn out because we're actually not on the path that, deep down we want to be on we're just doing it because we're good at it or that's what we've known or that's what people say we should do and when you step back and you're able to assess you find out because you can feel fuck i actually want to do this thing and when you start doing that you go into a state of flow and things i mean it like synchronicities just start to occur things like flow too you don't have to do the work i'm right now the most collaborations and partnerships and I guess you would say by that by that way, success I've ever experienced and I'm doing the least work I've ever done. And I don't say that because it's just magically appearing. It's because the, the bit that I am doing is leaving such a mark that it's because it's coming from the right place. People are going, fuck, I want some of that or I want to be connected with that rather than where I used to be. It wasn't fully authentic. It was like I was doing a thing because that's what I thought from my head I needed to do. And in terms of like, our our brain and our heart inter- so we've got like we all have like electromagnetic field within us um, and around us like that's just you know when we get down to the subatomic level that's that's some of the, the facts our brain is electric in terms of the nervous system while our heart is magnetic so when they've done research um, they've found that the the heart is 5,000 times more magnetic than the brain so a lot of people have heard of like the law of attraction you know think and think and think and you know you'll manifest well it's like mm. i can sit and meditate on a million fucking dollars a day i'm not going to have a million dollars in three weeks time it doesn't work like that yeah. so one you've actually got to do it but the second part of it is the fact that the thought is what's you know sending the electrical signal 
so to speak, sending it out into you know the the, the field that we're all a part of, the energetic field, the subatomic um, field in that way. But what pulls it back, what magnetizes it back to us is the feeling from the heart. And this is where so many people are wanting to create the life that they desire and they're working so hard from their head and they're like, why the fuck aren't I achieving this? Why is this so hard? Why do I feel like I'm getting burnt out? Why am I having these challenges or why have I you know, been hospitalized or whatever it is? It's because we're still on the path of being guided by our head and we haven't been able to step back and go from the heart, from the felt sense. And that's... It's massive, especially for men, because as men, we have this, the head is like our masculine, our thinking. And that's also why the suicide rates are so high, because men don't want to go into the feminine, which is the emotion and the feeling, the heart. And as a result, they don't actually express emotions. And that's where those things come up, like the depression and anxiety and all of that. But also the insecurities and the self-worth challenges and needing to do something from the external to achieve, to feel like they're validated because the internal from the heart is not full. Yeah. So they're doing something else. And, and when you can actually come back and just take that, that step to do something like, you know, a little bit of breath work every day. I, and Because I, I tell people breathe, because I used to say to people, you know, meditate. And then they'd struggle with meditation because it was such a challenge to sort of do. Breath work is a form of meditation, but you have more of a change of state in your body where it feels cool, so people are more inclined to do it. So I say to people, just start with some breath work every day. And literally, when you stop thinking about all the things you need to do and want to do, you just start what we call is like you get downloads. Literally this like, oh, it's like an idea or this, that's what I'm supposed to do. Or that's what this, you know, that's, I feel like this is my passion and all this is my purpose. And you just start getting pulled in this direction. And I know I've experienced that. I know Trav's experienced that. I know pretty much every person that I've coached, whether they be incredibly successful business people or world championship athletes, they start uncovering these parts of themselves that take them to another level. And their business was, will go from like, let's say for example, one guy was earning like 500 K a year. It's gone to like 8 million within two months. Are you kind of saying you were focusing on too much junk work when now you're, you've truly found your passion and that's actually taking less time of your day, but you're not only earning more, but you're more successful? Like, do you, I'm trying to think of it from my perspective. I yeah. do a bunch of shit here, there, and everywhere. Yeah. Do you feel like if I did this breath work and I just come back and I just, you know, felt it from the heart? Maybe I'm doing too much of stuff that isn't going to really get me to where I want to be. And if it's too much stuff of trying to please people or reply or do this, where I don't really need to do that. I just, I need to focus on maybe one area that I'm really strong and confident at. And that will actually accelerate 10 times faster than doing 20 different things. 100%. And this is the thing is it's, you will, as you, because you're, we're so driven by our ego, by our head, that when we actually step back and, you know, let's say you, you're doing some breath work or you had a couple of deeper breath work sessions, you would having that bit of time to actually become what we call like self-aware because we think we're self-aware, but we're still being driven by our subconscious in that way. When you do that, you will actually find because your heart will have the answer. And I don't mean like you're going to sit and feel your heart, you know, like <laughs> a fucking spiritual woo-woo. It will, the answers will just come to you because when you go into that part of, let's say with the breath work, those things flow through. What you want to do, you will be pulled in the direction of and you will know. So it's like you've got 10 things you want to do at the moment. This will cut out like eight of yeah. them. And it's like that 80-20 rule where you will just start nailing those areas. And I wouldn't say it's necessarily like we're doing junk work, 
but we're doing work that we're not necessarily supposed to do. And when I say supposed to, it's like we all have a fucking purpose. Yeah. But most people are doing something that they've been told to do or they think that's going to give them the answer when in fact when they actually step back, they go, I know this is what I'm supposed to do because I don't feel like I work a day anymore. Like I just love what I do. I'm I'm fulfilled because I know that as an example, there's a, a saying that, I first learned from Tony Robbins, who most people know of. They say success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure, which is to say material or achievement success or validation or a particular body image or whatever it is without fulfillment. So without the feeling of like, yes, this is exactly right, is the ultimate failure. Yeah. Which is why there's billionaires around the world that are suicidal every day. Why there's, you know, in the bodybuilding space, why there's so many issues and challenges Mm. with insecurities and self-worth and what actually gets people started on the journey is usually from a place of pain and lack of like, I need to do this to feel this thing. So for me, I reverse engineer the process. If success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure, then fulfillment without success is the ultimate win because you don't need so the easy way to say it is like if success without fulfillment so if the external without the internal feeling is the ultimate failure then the internal feeling without needing anything external is the ultimate win which is why the monks you know if you think of buddhist monks they have three robes and a begging bowl that's all they have in their possessions in the world and they are arguably the happiest people on earth because they have the internal feeling. And so yeah. a lot of my internal work is like embodying what how a monk lives because I've done a lot in learning from, from Buddhist monks in that way and, and even in the Hindu monks in, in that essence and understanding how they live. And that's when I realized I'm going to wire and create my life. And this is the decision I made last year when I was, you know, the, the second near-death experience when I had everything stripped from me was I'm going to recreate my life from a place of fulfillment, from a place of the internal and then whatever happens externally is a bonus. If I have the house or I have the car, I have the woman yeah. or I have this body, sweet. But I fucking feel like a king every yeah. single day, no matter what happens. And I think is, everyone wants that. Yeah. And <laughs> it, this is the thing is it's for so many people, it's so like, it's like a dream. Yeah. But I'm living proof that if I can go from death's door yeah. to feeling this every day, any motherfucker can do it. Anyone can do it. So what's your, what's your future goals now with all of this? Where... Where do you, how, how far, how big can you take this to the world? Like, not, not many people know about this. Obviously, you think people do because you're in the space of the breath work. Yeah. Before I talked to Trav and yourself and this kind of little group, I didn't even know about it. There's millions of people that I can guarantee, I can guarantee I could walk downstairs right now and say, Mom, do you want to do some breath work? She's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. How can you get this message out there? But not only get this message out there, just change people's lives. Yeah. So what I've realized in the last couple of months is, so uh, Cool To Be Conscious is yeah. one of the one of the companies that I've partnered with, um, Ruin Rye. They, they founded it. Yeah. And so if I explain this in terms of the way that I have the vision of impacting the world, my mission in life is to raise consciousness, which is to raise self-awareness so that every person on the planet lives fulfilled. So that every day they wake up, they love their life, they love themselves, and they love every single thing they're doing. Anything external is a bonus. So whether they lose their job or they lose the relationship or they're having these challenges, it doesn't affect them. It doesn't rock them and throw them off kilter. And the way to go about doing that is we have what we call like a critical mass movement. So, and this is like, there's a whole lot of math to this, but if we keep it simple for the moment, it is just like the gateway drug sort of thing, like Wim Hof. 
is a very easy way for people to get lent into this. So cool to be conscious is we have like a couple of hundred people come down on Sundays to the beach. They do some connection. So ask some questions, be vulnerable. They do some breath work and they do some meditation following the breath. They feel fucking incredible. We've had thousands of people on the sunny coast already come down in just a couple of months from when I started it. So the intention there is with cool to be conscious, we have, let's say at the moment, there's Gold Coast, there's Sunny Coast, there's um, Cairns locations, there's about to be Sydney. The intention is that we're going to have every major city in Australia, first and foremost, is going to have a Sunday stillness so yeah. that we're going to have thousands of people every weekend doing this. And then, then they go, holy shit, that was incredible. Hey, come along and do it with me next weekend. Yeah. And then we have that. And then the boys are going to head to New Zealand and then that will go. And this brand has grown from like uh, maybe a following of like 5,000 people at the start of end of last year to like it's over 20k now um, and that's and they haven't gone anywhere other than Cairns, Sunny Coast, Goldie. So the goal is just to go worldwide? Yeah so the intention will be in every major city around the world or every major city on the beach as we, you know as we'll go through the, the structuring and the systemization is there will be a Sunday stillness with the same questions for the connection the same breath work and the same meditation theme and it's not for people to and the whole brand cool to be conscious it's not like come down and hang around with some hippies that are talking about like spirituality it's like we're bringing the ancient wisdom and the modern science together so people can actually like the main part of our population the, the demographic are young guys and young girls from the age of like 18 to 30 yeah. because it's the the connection and that that demographic and so it will be that is the where we start with the ripple effect because if we have that every sunday and they're like all oh, this breath work thing you know we only did 10 minutes the other day i want to do the next and the next and so it starts to increase by word of mouth through the communities but then from so that's one aspect that's how we get the breath work to people but my mission and my purpose in life is the identity because what i realized from my journey was that when i had everything stripped away from me in terms of the the my my when I say identity, my my expertise, my genius now is in the subconscious and understanding how to rewire the subconscious of people so they actually live their life by design, not by default. Yeah. Recondition everything. And what I realized was that I hadn't changed my actions when I was unwell consciously. I hadn't consciously changed my um, behaviors, all my beliefs, all my values. And I was like, well, these are all the areas of mindset and psychology in the world. If I haven't changed this, how, how has my mind changed so much? And through, you know, months of deep inner work and, and, you know, not doing anything else because I was forced into that state, I realized that it was identity. And I was like, okay, if I've lost everything in my life, and I realized that I fucked up in the way I used to live. Yeah, I had the external achievement, but that means nothing in the face of death, as you now know, as you've experienced, that there was this realization of, I am going to create the life that I desire by design, and I'm going to fucking achieve it. Because I've got a second chance at life. I'm not going to waste it. I'm not going to settle. I'm not going to be second for anything. I'm going to live this. But my challenge was, how do I actually ensure that I live it? Because, you know, we all have goals. We all have conscious goals, but very few, if any, people in the world actually live their desired life. And so for me, I went on this journey selfishly to create it. How How do I create something that I cannot fuck up? How do I ensure I live this? And so I was like, okay, well, systems. So I started getting tools and creating tools and and eventually I created this system for myself to implement to actually create, you know, the the health, the mindset, the relationship, the finances, the purpose in my life in totality. So my entire life is exactly how I want it. 
that where I can't miss the mark. And I created this system and implemented it on myself. And my family were like, they were just seeing these rapid changes, not only in my physical health, but how I was for everyone. And then the finances and people started flowing into me. And that's when I realized I was just, that's why I've gone through the, you know, going yeah. from the science to having the near-death experience to understanding the spiritual side of things to bring them together because my purpose in life is to enable the identity system to be taken out to the world. So it will be my legacy. The intention is people go through the identity system. They transform their life as I have and I have with my clients, my athletes and my the high-level business, um, business teams. I should say business people. And... Then from there, once they've been transformed, they go, holy shit, I need to take this to the world. I need to share this. So then they become an identity coach. And then it's not me because I don't want this to be about me. This is not my image or my impact on the world. It's the identity system. It's my, I can gift it. And then once it's out there, it's for the identity coaches to take and, and the ripple effect to the world. Yeah. So breath work through Cool to Be Conscious and the identity system are my two big focuses in that way and obviously partnering with people along the way and along the journey that are already on this path like Dr. Espen mentor of mine who I'm now partnering with and, and working with him um, in that way it's it's what we call like a point of critical mass which is kind of like the, the lead domino when we get enough people to this point of critical mass which I believe from memory is 5.4% of the world's population when we hit that point it creates a domino effect where it, it the momentum moves and we have this shift I want to ask you, are you stressed in life now? No. Well, actually, let me reframe that. I haven't felt pressure in my body for a couple of years since I stopped the business. Nothing. And none. Like, because I was forced in, you know, when you're nearly dead, you can't really be stressed about anything because you're laying in your bed 18, 20 hours a day. Um, So, and I went so much into my feminine in that journey because I was forced to, because I couldn't be masculine. I couldn't be anabolic. I couldn't do anything in that way. It was all just about surrendering and being. And so it just stripped all of these things away. And the more work I did on my identity, it's all about being fulfilled. No, I'm not stressed. I'm, I'm doing, you know, there's more things happening now in the last four weeks than in the last four or five years for me. But as I was saying to Trav before, I'm, I'm able to frame from self-awareness, from stepping back to go when people are like, oh my God, you've got so much going on. If I play into that story, I'm like, yeah, I'm so busy. I've got all of these things I need to do. I literally work myself up into stress. So how do, you put, how do you block that out? I go, if they go to me, oh my God, you've got so much going on. I'm like, there's not really anything going on at all. I'm just taking it moment by moment because that's all there ever can be. So besides breath work, how do you... Um, how do you how do you stop stress, anxiety, those that type of like without the breath work? Yep. Is there things that you implement, or you yeah. think it's all down to the breath work? No, one hundred percent. There's other things. So can you r- run us through anything? There? Yeah, morning and evening routines is huge. Probably, I would say the number one anchor, and the reason for that, I'm I'm a my morning and evening routines are, are elite. Like you listen to the best in the world, and I'm doing what they're doing plus because I'm, I know that that is the anchor. Yeah. So as an example, and I'll just list everything straight through and I like, what I'll do first is I'll explain why, then I'll explain what. So the why is because if you anchor, as soon as you wake up every morning, the first, let's say 20 minutes to two hours is epic and you feel fulfilled and you feel like you are your best self. You're calm, you're centered, you're productive, you know, all of those things. You're, you're looking after your body and your mind and you're, you're creating those feelings. You lean into the day with that momentum. 
Yeah. And everyone you connect with, everyone you communicate with, all of the tasks you do come from that center. And then we have the evening because what happens is no matter what arises during the day, if you've had an amazing morning routine, then you've been in a hectic car crash and all of these things have happened and you're hospitalized, which would typically throw you, you know, one way completely and you now you're freaking out, you're stressed, oh my God, insurance, finance, missing work, whatever. If you come back to your evening routine, you come back to that centered grounded space yeah your routine and so what happens is every the start of every day and the end of every day you feel like you are living your fucking truth like what you are here on earth to do fill us in <laughs> oh dude so so the anchoring is the number one most important thing yeah because then what actually happens is you start it might be for me it's an hour and a half every morning and an hour at night and i can do that because i've created the flexibility in my life to have that for some people it might be 20 minutes and 20 minutes but what it does is as you do it more and more, that because you enjoy it so much, your body starts to create it more and more in the day. So although your routine might be half an hour, the next three hours you're living in that state. And what you find is it just gets longer and longer until your entire day is feeling that and you've only got your routines as anchors. Yep. So what I do is as soon as I wake up, as soon as my eyes open, this is all automated now because I've been practicing it, is I express five things that I'm grateful for. I'm grateful. You say them out loud. Sorry, I want to run through yes. it all too. Why yes. you? Why you're saying this? Yes. You say it out loud, or you say it in your mind. Uh either. I Doesn't I use matter. mouth tape, so I tape my mouth at night so that really? I only breathe through my nose, which is for increased recovery and, and rest. Uh, which is epic for anyone that snores or has sleep apnea. Try mouth taping. Incredible. Wow. So so at the moment I'm doing it in my head because I'm not speaking because yeah. I still have the tape on. But five things I'm grateful for. So like I'm grateful for my deep sleep. I'm grateful for the connections in my life. I'm grateful for my self-awareness. I'm grateful for my health and I'm grateful for opportunities. Yeah. Then I stand up and I have an acupressure mat, like a Shakti mat, spiky mat on my bedside. I step on that. I stand up and then I set my intention for the day. What is going to be my primary emotion? What's going to be my primary thought? So what I mean by that is what emotion am I going to live in primarily? Because a lot of people live in fear or worry or stress or anxiety and their primary thought is, fuck, I've got to get these things done or I don't have enough time. So what I do is I set my, my intention consciously so that it's wired in subconsciously every day. Primary emotion is gratitude. My primary thought is how epic is life? So I literally now I'm walking around, I'm like, fuck, how epic is life? No matter what's going on, something's, the world's blowing up in front of me. I'm like, how epic <laughs> is this? Because it's all about perspective. So that, and then I go through and, and my intention is to, to open my heart up, to be in a place of love so that I'm aligned with that, that truth feeling is I send love to someone in the world that I want to have that in, in that way for that day. And then from there, I go through my um, three primary objectives for the day. So if today was a win, what are the three things that I would do? So it could be literally lay down on a rest day, lay down and watch a movie, read a book, and eat these foods. On a work day, I might be like, okay, nail this meeting, enjoy this time off, and you know whatever else the other things. Have this, have this meeting with Jacks. Yeah. yeah. So I go through the primary objectives. Then once I've done those, I'll make my bed because that's a disciplinary thing. I'll go and have my 500 mils of water. Then I've got a little rebounder, so a little mini tramp. Yeah. I jump on my mini tramp for a minute or three minutes, and then I'll do belly laughter for a minute. And belly laughter is huge. You can wake up feeling shit house. Like you've been hit by a truck and three trains and you do a minute of belly laughter and it's like the whole day lights up because what it does is it sends, sends a signal, life's good, I'm happy and it, it literally rewires a system for the neurotransmitters like the dopamine, the serotonin, all of those to actually rewire so that you're feeling good. 
I've, Lord, I've, barely what, laughter. So it's it's literally just deep deep laughter. You know, okay. like a, a child would like. <laughs> so you just, you kind of have to force it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You f- and to begin with, you do. But the thing is, even when I do it now and I still create a forced laughter, I feel good as I'm doing it and I feel yeah. better. I finish and I'm like, fuck, again, how yeah. epic is life? And I've watched, you know, the pro athletes that I work with and I'm like, okay, now, because I take them through my routine so they know what an elite routine is like so they have an example. And they're like, fucking belly laughter? What the <laughs> hell? And then they do it and they're like, Shit, yeah. I feel so good. Okay. And then they, they're like laughter in every single time. Yeah. So laughter's in. And then once I've done that, I'll go downstairs and I'll do my breath work. So that for me, I have many different types of breath work that yep. I'll implement. But I usually just do three to five minutes. Then I'll do, I meditate in the, in the infrared sauna. You so, got an infrared sauna. Yeah. Wow. So, I'll, so I'll do the, the breath work, um, drop into a meditation in the infrared sauna. And then as soon as I get out of the infrared sauna, I get straight into the ice bath, which is next oh. to it, to so the chest freezer, and keep my meditation going in that because you've got to be aware of the breath to be able to keep yourself in. Then once I, I've completed that, go upstairs, have my shower, and then I'll do what I call my identity questions and my identity embodiment. Now, these are two absolute staples in my routine and they're a part of the system I've created. So, like, they can't be implemented outside of the system because they need to be a part of the... It's kind of like um, a car without wheels. You've got to have it all together. So, identity embodiment is me going through and actually living and feeling the life that I desire. So, you, I don't use the word visualization because for me and the way I implement it and the way it's coached is it's not just seeing something, it's feeling it. So, let's say for me, it's like... I'm embodying my 200 kilo, you know, strict deadlift. So I'm going through and I'm, I'm, as I'm actually sitting there, I can feel the muscles contracting. I can feel the bar and I go through and I, it's somatically, viscerally felt in my body. And so when I do it, I'm like, yes. So it's not like just picturing it in my mind's eye of me doing a deadlift yeah. because our subconscious is wired primarily on emotion, not on analytical thought. So I do the feeling. And so I go through that for my, all of my health characteristics and then I do that for all of my wealth characteristics. So the finances, the career, the business, you know, the partnerships, those two primary things. And then once I've done that, I go through my identity questions, which are affirmative questions, but again, use a, a hack where to rewire the subconscious, repetition isn't enough. We need repetition with emotion because that's, you know, that's where it comes from, which is why, you know, how we we're talking before about the ring boxes in the body, emotion is stored in the body not thought. I could say to you, go back to your year 10 exam and tell me question number three that you studied three weeks for. You don't remember shit, but I could yeah. say, remember that day where that guy wanted to fight you in the park? What was the color of the slide over to your left? And like, you're so clearly in there because the emotion is stored in the nervous system. Yeah. So it's about hacking. All Everything I do in life is about hacking the system so that it's most efficient now. So it's working for me. I'm not working for it. Um, so I do have my questions and then I go through my identity journal, which is a, a prompted journal that I have set out, which has all of my, my cues and my questions that I go through every day, my ratings and my scorings. And I do that. And then what I'll do is I'll do 30 minutes of my number one priority work, which is un, uninterrupted 30 minutes of nailing this one thing that's going to give me the most value for the long term. So right now it's like back end work on the identity system that yep. will be released to the world. Then I read a book for at least a minute, just at least a minute. Then, then I go into my day. Yeah. In the evening, uh, my blue light blockers, glasses, come on. I wear those throughout the day, the clear ones when I'm on screens, just, just to help with eye strain and headaches. Um, but then as soon as the sun goes down, I put on my amber tint lenses, uh, which helps with melatonin, which help increases our you know, capacity to drop into a sleep stage. And then phone goes away. So phone's away by 7.30, typically on the kitchen bench. Keep it outside of the room. 
because I know that I had the temptation back in the day to get back to clients and stuff. Yeah. So phone stays in the kitchen. Um, then I will, uh, going through that order, I will then have um, a hot shower because the, the heat actually gets the body wants to cool itself. And when we go to sleep, the... Um, the way our body drops into sleep is it starts to cool itself. So we can kind of, again, hack the system, hot shower, gets our body to start cooling itself before we're in bed. So again, yeah. it's kind of getting us tired early. So hot shower. Then I'll go through and, and do my gratitude, five points of gratitude for the day. I'll spray my magnesium spray on me. I'll do my um, embodiment for the next day. So like going through and embodying what a successful day tomorrow would involve. So I'm clear on that and it's set into my subconscious before I sleep. So it's kind of patterning in. Then I will embodiment following the gratitude. Then I will do my um, identity journal again, so the evening version of it yep. and set it out. Then I'll read my book. Um, then I'll put on my mouth tape. I'll take my the CBD oil, so I'm on that as well. Yeah. Um, and eye mask on. The room is completely blacked out. I have my my Bluetooth speaker is set at my door end of my room connected to my phone and I have um, solfeggio frequencies playing with particular, you know, background sounds. Um, sometimes I do like affirmation played ones in the background, but at the moment I'm doing those those 528 hertz tunes while yep. I sleep um, and wake up the next morning, feel like a fucking boss and a king and centered and grounded and go again. Crazy. So, I just yeah. want to touch base on one thing. Yeah. Um, the morning routine. You yeah. said you do, you set out three things that you want to do for the day. Yep. What happens if you don't achieve them in the day? For some reason. So what yeah. happens if I've had this happen? So what happens if I say, um, you know, I need to nail this photo shoot. Uh, I need to check in with these clients and I need to complete this podcast. What for some reason, if the universe, something happens and I don't do that, that I've set out today what happens yeah. do you do you tell yourself you fucked it do you just say we we do it tomorrow do you get down on yourself how do you what what happens the old part of me was like you're a fucking piece of shit like that's that's the old my ego before i was yeah. really unwell was like you fail you're not worthy you know you've you can't do these things you're not going to achieve what you're capable of that was the old story um but now if i don't get something done i have that you know from stepping back from knowing from my heart, you know, having that awareness. If I don't get something done now, I'm like, sweet, okay, that's to be done tomorrow. All right, so it's, sweet. Just, it's just, it's just, it's just the next day is a yeah. Yeah, I literally like as I say, I just live in flow now. I so used to you live can't in even flow. just you can't even sit on it for a minute and stress. You just got to tomorrow. I do that. Yeah, and well, not do you know what I mean? Really? Yeah, yeah, no, I don't really stress on it now, and and that's again that's that just comes from self awareness. When you when you do that inner work, and again, that's the thing is like. The amount of people that are, you know, they're earning a couple million dollars a year or whatever, and they're working so hard to do it. But if you actually talk to them, they're fucking stressed out of their brains. They go, yeah. oh, I got to do this, I got to do this. They don't get to enjoy their lifestyle. Yeah. They come home to their house, like their multi million dollar house in the, the incredible car and everything, which is amazing. And that will be a part of my life in the future because I get to enjoy it from the work that I've done. But I'll actually enjoy it yeah. and embrace it and be present with it. Most of those people aren't present because they're so focused on, I need to do that thing. And it's because it's coming from that place of lack. If I don't do the thing, then I'm not worthy or I'm a piece of shit or I should have done better or I'm not going to be able to do this or this is why I always get these results because our head's leading the way and we can't actually, we don't have that presence and self-awareness to go, 
is that actually true? Does me not getting that task done today actually make me a piece of shit? No, doesn't change me at all. And that was a part of my journey of coming into self-acceptance. For me, I find a fear and I go after it, which is, that's that old part of me, but it serves me. So our ego is not a bad thing. Our ego is just a protection mechanism for this physical body. So we kind of like our ego and our consciousness or our spirit or our soul or whatever you might want to call it, our truth. And for me, I want to live a life of true and ultimate freedom. To me, like when you speak to monks, they are the most calm, present, fulfilled, happy, joyful, loving beings on the planet. And I was like, I want to be that. I want to live that, but I want to serve the world. So I don't feel like I can do that as a monk. So I've learned, you know, from, from masters in that way. And I've gone, I'm going to embody how they live, but serving society, living in society, doing yeah. it in that way. And the way for me to do that was, what am I, what are my shadows? What am I most fearful of? And if that is because of our fear is our ceiling. You know, if I'm fearful of being rejected, I won't do that thing. So that becomes our ceiling. We can't go above that. So for me, I go, whatever's holding me back, I need to go at that. So it used to be, I used to hate free fall. You know, when you get like turbulence in a plane, whoa. Yeah. So skydiving, bungee jumping, you know, I hate swimming in the ocean because I had a fear of sharks as a kid from, you know, conditioned from my parents because we grew up in the outback. So now I like make sure I go and swim in the ocean and go into the parts that make me uncomfortable. The so it's good to get un- it's good whatever you're uncomfortable with it's good to do that absolutely it's fucking with freeing. anything in life yes and this is so the biggest one for me I spoke about this on the Think Mental podcast a, a few months ago was self acceptance which is massive and I know that's huge especially in the bodybuilding space because having you know friends in, in that space from the past knowing their journey and what actually got them there was you know a challenge in self acceptance of like if I don't look this way or achieve this thing or have this state then I'm not worthy in that way and for me it was if I wasn't doing and growing and learning I'd, I hated myself my internal story was that I was weak vulnerable and inadequate if I wasn't achieving the thing whatever that was and so when I got challenged on that someone said to me why are you so fucking driven like why are you so growth minded always and I was like why the fuck not like what do you want me to lay around and eat fucking chips yeah. go and work a 9 to 5 no fucking way and they were like we get it, calm down, but it's an obsession. It's a compulsion. You're not in control of it. It's leading you. And I really had to sit with that. And I was like, they're right. It was subconscious. Like I had to do it. And if I didn't, if I wasn't growing or learning, I felt like I wasn't doing well enough. And so I had to like lean into that. Okay, there's something I don't like about that. So I was like, well, if I don't learn and I don't grow, what am I? And I was like, fuck, I'm stagnant. I'm, I'm plateauing. I was like, okay, well, what happens if I'm stagnant or plateauing? Well, I'm not learning, I'm not growing, I'm not getting better. Well, if you're not doing that, what's that mean? Well, I'm just, I'm just me. I'm just Todd. Well, what's wrong with being just Todd? Well, just Todd's a piece of shit. Well, why, why is that? Well, he's weak, he's vulnerable, he's inadequate, he doesn't fit in, he gets bullied, and that's when I realised, holy shit, this is coming full circle. It was my ten-year-old self when I was, when I was bullied. You know, when I skipped up years and picked on. That what was internalized from the external words of the, the bullies and everything was I'm weak because I'm, I was, you know, the chubby, uncoordinated kid. I'm vulnerable because I was different because I didn't fit in with anyone because I was the kid that skipped years and was, you know, labeled. And, and then I was inadequate because I, whatever I tried and whatever I did, I couldn't fit in. So how I felt about myself when I wasn't doing, I, so like my doing, if we come back to that protection, was everything for me. So I realized my deepest, darkest fear is not doing. It's not achieving. Mm. And that made me so uncomfortable just to sit with that. 
But again, because like for me, I want ultimate freedom. I don't want any triggers. I don't want any fears. I don't want any limitations holding me back in this life. I want to live fully every ounce of what I've got. And that's when I was like, okay, if I don't want to do, I'm scared shitless of it because I feel like I'm a piece of crap if I do. How do I overcome that? And I realized the scariest thing for me to do was just lay in my bed for like a day, just stare at the ceiling. Don't, don't like, because I know what I would want to do is like, okay, I'm going to control my breath now. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to start journaling on my goals and my dreams and my visions. Or I'm going to, you know, start planning out the structure of this system. Or I'm going to message people on socials and start connecting. Nothing. So I forced myself to do that. How often? I did it once. And that was enough to move. Just once. So... Uh, this was March this year, the day before I went into my last, my most recent 10-day silent meditation retreat. I laid in my bed for six hours straight, staring at the ceiling. And you felt like that changed you? Yeah. For the so you think everyone should, whatever that is, that's not the same as you, yep. but they should do that once? Because um, I feel like I'm probably the same as you. Like I feel like, yeah, I feel like I literally, if I just sat, I don't know, sat there for a day, literally did nothing, not my phone, nothing, didn't do exercise, didn't do what I wanted to do. I don't know, like I just never, it's like I want to do it, but I never have actually done it. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know, like do you feel like people just maybe have to do this, they have to do what they don't want to do? If I was to gift everyone freedom in the world, yes. And so for me it was, I just, that's, and what, so as an example, it wasn't easy. And yeah. it's not going to be. If it's your deepest fear, yeah, it's going to create... If it's the greatest fear, it's going to create the greatest freedom, the greatest liberation. For me, the first hour was this self-talk. It was like back when I was 10 years old. You're a piece of shit. You're a fucking little fatty. You know, you got man boobs. You, you don't fit in. No one likes you. Look at you. You're laying here doing nothing. If you're not... Because for me, I had to achieve to feel like I was protected. So it was like taking away all of my armor and just being there in my mental self-talk was just constant, like hating on myself. And then after like an hour, my, it was like I had this kind of flick moment where my, my ego, my mind or whatever part of it was, was just like, are you really that? Like laying here, nothing's changed. You're just yeah. laying in your bed right now. Are you actually those things? And it was like, no. And they were like, are things getting worse right now for you laying here? Like is the world ending? Yeah. Are people hating you right now for laying in your bed? And I was like, no, I'm, I'm all right. And so what started to happen was going from self-loathing or self-hatred or you know, self-rejection to self-acceptance. So going from I'm only accepted and loved if I'm doing and being the achiever, Todd, to being able to accept my ordinary being, so not doing, self. And so there was this like starting to, I'm all good. Like I can lay here. And I'm all right. And then what happened, because you've gone from the negative to the neutral, then it started to fucking shift. And then it was like, you're a fucking savage. Like, you're doing nothing right now. You're facing your fear head on. How many people ever do this in their life? You're a fucking legend. Look at what you've done with your life. Look at this and look at that. And then, like, the next three hours with me just fucking like, yeah. Really? So I turned my deepest, darkest fear into, like, my greatest liberation. I could now lay down and do fuck all for three weeks. And I love myself fully. And I can do the external things if I want, but it's not a necessity. It's not like I have to. And now I've got the conscious choice to live how I want to live, not from a subconscious driver. I can actually design my life and choose how I want to live. 
So why wouldn't you do it more often? You don't need to. Don't need to. It's yeah. done. And this yeah. may not, for, you know, for other yeah, people, yeah. it might be same thing. They might have a fear of heights. They skydive once. They're sweet with it now. Yeah. Or they might want to do it repeatedly to keep facing it. But for me, I'm like, I have conscious control of that now. So there's not a need to. If I want to, if someone said go and do it, I'd be like, yeah, sweet. But I'm good with that now. Yeah. So. Wow, it's incredible. Yeah. How are we going for time? <laughs> Our. F- yeah, man. I feel like we've only really touched into one or two topics. Yeah. Oh, dude. Crazy. And I want to um, hear more about your story, your background and everything. Yeah, wow. Um, this is actually the longest podcast I've ever done. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I think we're going to have to wrap it up. Yeah. Um, I don't want to. Like, there's just so many things we can go into, literally. Like, But the breath work is something I've taken out of this. Um, I definitely think, you know, I myself want to try it. Um, I think every listener that is going to hear this I think they're going to want to try it to be honest I don't see why not yeah. um, stress is just something that it should be taken out of everyone's lives I know everyone stresses and it's something that we do more than we should yeah. um, and I really it's something I definitely want to implement is just stress less whether it's through the breath work or different strategies that you do with the, the morning and the night routine um, there's so so much good information here. Like, there's just so much. It's not even funny. Um, how do people actually reach out to you, or how do they find out about breathwork, or how do they actually do it? Like, yeah, how do they do it? Like, yeah. do they have to do one with someone like an expert like yourself first, and then they automatically know how to do it, or is it something like you got to learn? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So to me, easiest. Um Easiest way to start is, you know, people lean into a like a, just a Wim Hof on YouTube. You just type in Wim Hof and the, there's like two at the top always. They're 11 minutes. It's like his beginner's one. And that'll get you to do, you know, the, the, the typical method, just straightforward. Once people have done that and they've had a bit of an experience, you can go to the intermediate, which is a, like a little step above. And all that changes is the retention time, which is nothing major. Then, then, the, then there's advanced versions. And then from there, like people can go into all different types i usually get them to start just with a simple whim because it's a physiological change and that way they've got a feeling for it and they want to do more which everyone does then they can lean in but on my on my instagram i actually have a a full guided breathe like an hour long I, i introduce it i take them through the science i take everyone through how it will flow how it will be held then i go through the entire breath work like they've got the music and everything playing through and then there's a meditation and the integration afterwards so they can if they want to go into that, which like I've had people from the other side of the world sending me messages like I'm bawling my eyes out right now with how incredible I feel. That's the most amazing yeah, thing so I've ever real. done. So so f- um, can people do one-on-one sessions with you or not? Yep. yep. N- I'm talking not uh, not face-to-face. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so someone from USA can book in to do a session with you. Yeah, yeah. So I, a couple of my pro athletes, US, one's in – so one's in Europe, like – uh, in France, one's in America. So yeah, absolutely. Because it's it's um, the the container that they set. Yeah, you can you can be held online one hundred percent, and then obviously in person as well. But yeah. easy people can you know for those that are listening, if they have questions, they can just shoot me a message on yeah, Instagram. Can you like, just leave everyone your socials first of all? Yeah, and if there's that's the best point of contact, or yeah. how how do they find Todd? Yeah, so Instagram is where I'm most active. So Todd underscore Jarrett. So if you're listening to this right now, just pull up your Instagram, T-O-double-D underscore J-A-double-R-A-double-T. It should pop up to begin with the one with Identity Coach. And and I do not have a following like Jax does, that's for sure. Here we go. (laughs) I need to get more jacked. (laughs) Um, 
But so, um, do you reply to all DMs? That that is my intention. Okay. So, what will happen is, um, if someone sends me a message, you know, they send me a DM, I'll go into my request folders. Yeah. And as a heads up for everyone, send me a text message with your questions, so I can read it briefly, and I'll typically respond with an audio message because it's more efficient. Yeah. But if I see people have sent me a voice message to begin with, usually it's because there's there can be a lot. It's too much for me in that way. Yeah. So Instagram in that way um, is my main general point of contact and obviously when I'm working with people privately I have my own platforms in that way for efficiency and everything but um, obviously I have Facebook page as well but it's pretty much just shared stuff from my Instagram so amazing yeah well um, yeah for everyone listening obviously I highly recommend you reach out to Todd um, give this a go yourself even just have a chat to the man um, you know obviously want to get to know you a lot more it's just been our first meeting right now but yeah. I don't know, like I just, I, I feel a bit different already and I felt different when I chatted to Trav the other day and I think that's how you should feel. As I said to Trav, like that's how you should feel if you connect with the right people. Yes. It should be like that with everyone, yeah. but the right people. Yeah. Like you shouldn't have a conversation and you feel down or something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's That person's not for you. You should feel upfilled or lifted or like... I've just taken a drug, you know yeah. what I mean? But all we've done is just had a chat. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So You're feeling I, high, like high vibes, high vibration, high frequency. It's they're those good emotions. So literally. Yeah. So yeah, everyone listening, Todd has left it. I'll obviously leave it in the link too. But um it's been a pleasure having you on and I'll definitely do another one, hundred percent. But um the information we did get out there, I hope it does help. You know, even two listeners, you know, if it changes your life, takes stress away. Fuck yeah. If that if that just does it, that's all we really need out of this. And, you know, um, there's plenty plenty more opportunities to come. And as you said, we are like Todd is doing the cool to be conscious and there's so many things that everyone can get involved with if you're Australia wide. You don't have to live on the Sunshine Coast. Yeah. So you can do this. We don't care if you're worldwide, but yeah. if you do want to do it and it's something you think will change your life which Todd pretty much guarantees. Yeah. Why not do it? Everyone listening, why not do it? Why not reach out to Todd? Why not do this as of, you know, tomorrow or next week and let's make a change? Yeah, fucking oath. And, and speaking to that, he's like, I've been the stress person and it's taken me to the point where nearly dying. Yeah. Now I get to live, I get to live this life. Like I'm blessed. It's an opportunity to live this life. But also from a wise elder that shared with me, it's now my responsibility to pass this on so that other people can live this life. And that's literally for those listening, like we were going to do this potty by, by yeah. Zoom. And I was like, I want to come and meet you in person because I know if we click, I want to be on this journey with you because yeah. I know from what Trav said about your background, it's like you have so much power to come. And I want to be on this journey with you so that you can create the life that you want by desire exactly how you want to feel and how you get to feel. Yeah. Not feeling stressed. Like you can be centered and grounded every single day. A million things going on and you're like, yep, done. Yep, done. Not like, fuck. Yeah. And so, dude, thank you for for. No, I appreciate that because like I'm wanted, you know, it's it's the easy option. Let's do a Zoom. Yeah. But it's like, uh, nah, fuck, like let's just do it. And now yeah. I feel so much better because we've done it. You know what I mean? And I think that's what, that's why you do what you do you know what i mean like and i literally if we had done the zoom yeah it would have been shorter in time yeah i wouldn't have had to set up blah 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 but it would not have got the same effect yeah and i think that's what it's it's about the effect that i got out of seeing you and just feeling you you know so close to me and talking face to face yes so thanks for everyone for listening um please reach out to todd please give this a share 
And, um, yeah, definitely going to do another one. Woo! Oh, man. What a potty, man. It's on fire. Fuck <laughs> 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 yeah. That's a lot of information to take in.